settlement of the Polish problem in the following 16 points. Point one. The free city of Danzig should return to the Reich unconditionally and forthwith on account of its purely German character and the unanimous will of its population. Point two. The corridor should decide itself whether it desires to belong to Germany or Poland. For this purpose, a plebiscite should be held. Point three. Those entitled to vote in this plebiscite would be all Germans and Poles who had been resident in the corridor since the 1st of January 1918 or had been born there. All Germans expelled from the corridor or forced to leave would return in order to cast their votes. Point four. Someone had to be the first to dare to say no to Herr Hitler and bear the consequences. In spite of the untold sufferings endured in the last week by the Polish nation, no one in Poland regrets the fateful decision made by the government when it refused to submit to Hitler's tyranny. In saying no to the demands of an enemy intent on destroying Poland, the Warsaw government did not make a diplomatic move or a decision based on political calculations. It did no more than express the will of the whole people which knew that there could be no other reply. The case of Poland is crystal clear and that is why it has universal support throughout the world.
for two drinks you drink. So every time I tell you that, don't I? I say, when I have a drink, don't you drink it. Don't I say that? Uh-huh. Now tell me what I said. You said, for two nights, for two drinks you drink. That's right. So you put it down. You go to get the paper, the child picks it up again. And quickly starts to drink it. You say, give me that. Didn't I just tell you that, uh-huh? Well, why did you do it? I don't know. <laughs> well, that's brain damage. <laughs> if you know you're not supposed to do something, and you do it, and then people say, why did you do it? You say, that's brain, I don't know. Brain damage. Brain damage.
www.classicmutinyradio.fm Go to the website. Donate some money. We need it.
Rome, over which Julius Caesar ruled. The politicians were a bit more bloodthirsty than ours today, but they used much the same sort of arguments to win popularity, told much the same sort of lies, and betrayed their best friends to gain power for themselves. Fearing that Caesar's becoming too powerful, a group of his most trusted supporters, led by Brutus, conspired to kill him. In the Capitol building, he's treacherously stabbed to death. As a crowd collects, Brutus is heard addressing the mob. Romans, countrymen, and lovers, hear me for my cause. Believe me for mine honor. If there be any in this assembly, any dear friend of Caesar's, to him I say that Brutus' love to Caesar was no less than his. If then that friend demand why Brutus rose against Caesar, this is my answer. Not that I loved Caesar less, but that I loved Rome more. Had you rather Caesar were living and die all slaves than that Caesar was dead to live all free men? As Caesar loved me, I weep for him. As he was fortunate, I rejoice at him. As he was valiant, I honor him. But as he was ambitious, I slew him. There is tears for his love, joy for his fortune, honor for his valor, and death for his ambition. With this I depart, that as I slew my best lover for the good of Rome, I have the same dagger for myself when it should please my country to need my death. No sooner has Brutus given his reasons for the murder than Mark Antony, following the blood-stained corpse of Caesar, takes this opportunity to turn that murder to his own advantage. A new ruler must be elected to succeed Julius Caesar. Listen to Mark Antony, the great master of words, as he speaks over the coffin of Caesar to the crowd below. Friends, Romans, countrymen, lend me your ears. I come to bury Caesar, not to praise him. The evil that men do lives after them. The good is often turned with their bones. So let it be with Caesar. The noble Brutus hath told you Caesar was ambitious. If it were so, it were a grievous fault, and grievously hath Caesar answered it. Here, under leave of Brutus and the rest, for Brutus is an honorable man, so are they all, all honorable men, come I to speak in Caesar's funeral. He was my friend, faithful and just. But Brutus says he was ambitious, and Brutus is an honorable man. 
He has brought many captives home to Rome, whose ransoms did the general coffers fill. Did this in Caesar seem ambitious? When did the poor have cried, Caesar hath wept? Ambition should be made of sterner stuff, yet Brutus says he was ambitious, and Brutus is an honorable man. You all did see that on the Lupercal, I thrice presented him a kingly crown which he did thrice refuse. Was this ambition? Yet Brutus says he was ambitious, and sure he is an honorable man. I speak not to disprove what Brutus spoke, but here I am to speak what I do know. You all did love him once, not without cause. What cause withholds you then to mourn for him? No judgment, though I fled to brutish beasts and men lost their reason. Bear with me. My heart is in the coffin there with Caesar. I was forced to come back to me. A child's garden of grass. Many people have smoked marijuana, 
Many have seen marijuana, but very few people have ever heard marijuana. The history of marijuana. Marijuana was first discovered in Twin Falls, Idaho in 1907 by a small Polish immigrant by the name of Wayne Krolka. The discovery occurred in early May, while Wayne was working late in his study one evening, trying to find a shorter route to India. That's one small toad for man. known fact that grass increases creativity from 8 to 11 times. In fact, everyone finds that they're more creative stone than straight. All of us are latent Michelangelo's or Caruso's or Da Vinci's and think we can paint or sing or write if only we try hard enough. Sometimes, the ceiling seems to be three floors above you. But, get up and walk down a flight of stairs, and that flight of stairs becomes infinite. experience having his girlfriend say that she's going to the kitchen for some coke. I'm going to the kitchen.
Often you find yourself doing some little thing over and over, like picking lint off your dog, or staring at a tiny, tiny spot on the wall, or playing with something like this little microphone button here that doesn't seem to have very much of a purpose, really, except that it makes a funny noise whenever I push it. Time disorientation and hung upness act together quite often. You find yourself doing something inane for a long time, thoroughly enjoying it, even though every now and then you think you've been doing it forever. When you're doing something really dumb, like watching Queen for a day or the flying nun on TV, another symptom is revealed. After staring like idiots at the show for 18 minutes, someone will ask, What are we watching this for? Oh, 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 oh. Come on, come on, she's a boy. God, that guy's doing a brilliant. Really must be in Ron Wood. Ron Wood is the monster, right? Put a ball down. That's ridiculous. Change it, change it. That's
now 498 years after the first foundation had come into existence. It is at the peak of its strength, but one man does not accept appearances. simply the way she wore it, no more. Her matter-of-fact face was not notable for beauty, but somehow it was never for beauty that one searched there. She was the most capable administrator on the planet. No one could or did accuse her of the brilliance of the Salvor Hardens and the Hober Mallows, whose histories enlivened the first century of the Foundation's existence but neither would anyone associate her with the follies of the hereditary Inbers, who had ruled the foundation just prior to the time of the mule. And now Selden had backed her point of view, and, for the while at least, that would give her an overwhelming political advantage. She had been reported to have said a year earlier that if, in the coming appearance, Selden did back her, she would consider her task successfully completed. She would then retire and take up the role of elder statesperson rather than risk the dubious results of further political wars. No one had really believed her. She was at home in the political wars to an extent few before her had ever been. And now that Selden's image had come and gone, there was no hint of retirement about her. She spoke in a perfectly clear voice with an unashamed foundation accent. She had once served as ambassador to Mandras, but had not adopted the old imperial style of speech that was so fashionable now, and was part of what had been a quasi-imperial drive to the inner provinces. She said, the Selden crisis is over, and it is a tradition, and a wise one, that no reprisals of any kind, either in deed or in speech, be taken against those who supported the wrong side. Many honest people believed they had good reason for wanting that which Selden did not want. There is no reason to humiliate them to the point where they can retrieve their self-respect only by denouncing the Selden plan itself. In turn, it is a strong and desirable custom that those
By morning, both elegant homes had burned to the ground. A huge steam shovel was taking bites out of the ground on both sides of a little house. traffic at that, with all the trucks, streetcars and automobiles stopped to give her room to get by, the little house opened her eyes, blinking in the bright sunlight around her. It began to rain, then a wrecking crew came. said. Wrecking crews came and tore down the buildings on either side of the little house. Thought the little house. One night, flames started coming out of a window of the Uppington house. She began to call for help. The alarm! Sound the alarm!
me up at 6 o'clock in the morning. She said, I want you to go downstairs and cook breakfast for the children. And I looked at the clock. I said, dear, it's 6 o'clock in the morning. She said, exactly. Go down and cook for the children. They have to go to school. I said, yes, but to eat at 6 o'clock, isn't that bad for your stomach? I mean, they just ate 12 hours ago. My wife said, Bill, get out of that bed and go downstairs and cook breakfast for your children. And I said, well, I don't know what they want to eat. She said, it's down there. Now you get out of the bed. So I got up. Needless to say, I was angry. He said, it's down there. She said, it's down Chocolate cake, chocolate cake coming up! 
sliced it for and served it. Now, you need something to drink, Mr. Chocolate Cake. Something breakfast. Grapefruit juice. This is not your child. So I give you a child glass of grapefruit juice, chocolate cake, nutrition, eggs, milk, and wheat in the chocolate cake. And you didn't have to cook. And the other four came downstairs. When they came downstairs, those of you who have children, you've seen them come downstairs for school. And they got to the kitchen. Black Plastic on the Mutiny Radio. Meditation is a method of discovering hidden aspects of the world that are of oneself or of transcending reality in order to reach a higher spiritual state. One method of accomplishing this is to concentrate for long period of time on a specific theme or subject or on a meaningless word, a mantra. Hare Krishna, Hare Krishna. A mantra is meaningless in and of itself, but it has a magical, mystic value. I will give you your own mantra. But remember, this is a personal mantra and you mustn't telling anyone else what it is. Your secret mantra is Un Yaliman. 
Un Yeleman. No, say it now. Un Yeleman. Un Very beautiful. Now, first sit on the floor or on your bed with your foot crossed and your hand in your lap. Sitting up straight, taking a deep breath and relax, letting the mind wander for a while as it usually does. And when you find a space in your thinking that seems sort of quiet, start saying the mantra. Un Yeleman. Stress the first syllable very hard. And keep saying it over and over. And if you're having to scratching or to move, you may do so. But no matter what is happening in your mind, keep saying the mantra and concentrate on it for as long as you can. And soon, I do believe you will find that the passage of time is no longer known by you. And it will become to feel as though you are adrift in the cosmic void. And though you might be frightened at first, to be so alone in the cosmic world. Then you will hear the sound of many, many voices. And they will all be saying, Un Yeleman. And it will be the sound of the great cosmic brother. It will be all of us. It will be you.
a wonderful word of Urnyaliman joining together with our hands and taking this wonderful message that we have to not only this place but into the other place and soon to the next one and then after that we will go to the world and we will tell the world the secret wonderful joy of Urnyaliman and the world will become ours and we will rule the world under the mystical power of Urnyaliman I'm 
change your musical habits for the better, even when you listen later, when you're not stoned. Besides classical music, there are other types which are also delightful to listen to while stoned. Folk. Rock, electronic, and jazz. But there are some kinds of music which you must never, ever listen to. For example, you should never, ever listen to Byron Florin music.
Aren't you drinking out of this little cup? Oh, I got some hashish too. Oh, so uh, hashish. Uh, that means I got a. Oh, oh, you got a pipe. Great. Um, okay, let's, uh... Gee whiz, I'm, I'm really glad you came in. Uh, you want if I uh, put it in the pipe? And, uh, oh, yeah, yeah, go ahead. Oh, thank you. Yeah, well, I'm really glad you, uh... Really worked out, didn't it?
On the 2nd of September, I was driving a number two bus from Finchley to West Melbourne. En route, my conductor was called to the covers, as he was a reservist. And as I couldn't go on without a conductor, I returned to the garage. I finished my day at one o'clock on the Saturday morning and was told to report later that day for ambulance duty. Well, I didn't do very much on the Saturday except have a look around this coach, which had been converted into an ambulance. The next day, war was declared. And almost at once, we started driving patients from the London hospitals to the country. Patients were all very cheerful, and we had no complaints. Nearly always at the journey's end, they thanked me, and we wished each other good luck. I have attended lectures on first aid and have been taught how to help with carrying stretcher cases. We've all heard that the country is ready. This is certainly true of us. We are ready every hour of the day and night for whatever may turn up. duties of our men have been the same as that of the French.
studying magic. He discovers ways of raising great storms and tempests. He charms into his service an island sprite named Ariel. Light as air and just about as big as your little toenail, he flies from flower to flower singing gaily as he goes.
Yeah, it doesn't. <laughs> it just keeps raining. The smell of your friend's hair, or the warm, soothing touch of his or her body, or the curve of a cheekbone. All these separate sensations swirl and mix together into a whole, an avatar, a divinity incarnate. <laughs> yeah. And the sensual delight of your own body, and the glorious splendor of the setting all fuse together, and you and your friend and the whole world become a chasm of jubilation for minute after minute after minute until seemingly a millennium has passed and time has lost all claim to meaning. And the multitude and the intermixture of your responses which you experience preparatory to and during the sex act seem to recur again and again and again like the infinite number of images produced when you stand between two mirrors. And they begin to reproduce themselves and intertwine with one another, growing and building until you experience revelations of feeling so poignant that you can examine each pinpoint of pleasure and so overpowering that the entirety of it thrusts you into a maelstrom of pure... I came home from playing tennis, as I said before. My wife was like this. And I was hoping that I wasn't the one she was looking like that about. And I went up to her and I kissed her on the cheek. I said, how you feeling, Pud? She said, I want you to go upstairs and kill that boy. <laughs> and I said, right. Because I was happy. I wasn't the one in trouble. Kill the boy, kill the boy. Yes, master, yes, master. <laughs> so I go to kill my son. He was in the room looking pitiful. <laughs> and I can understand that because my mother sent me to the room many times. Your father comes home, he's going to shoot you in the face with a bazooka. <laughs> and I am not going to stop him this time either. You know, he's always wanted to kill you. <laughs> the day you were born, he said, kill it. <laughs> I stopped him from killing you for 11 years. And this is the thanks I get for saving your life. <laughs> I, I looked at him, I said, your mother sent me here to kill you. <laughs> he said, uh-huh. <laughs> I looked at him, and I noticed that on top of his head, from here all the way around to here, there was 
no hair. <laughs> so I said, uh, son, called him son. I said, what happened to your hair? He said, I don't know. I said, son, take your hand and put it on top of your head and tell me what you feel. He said, there's no hair. I said, right. Now, tell dad what happened to your hair. He said, I don't know. I said, son, was your head with you all day today. <laughs> he said, uh-huh. I said, did you cut your hair off? He said, uh-huh. I said, then why didn't you tell me that? He said, I don't know. <laughs> I said, is this the hairstyle you wanted? He said, uh-huh. I said, a reversed mohawk? My wife said, did you kill him? I said, no. She said, why? I said, I don't know. Thank you, Mr. Bill Casby, convicted rapist. This is a flat black plastic show supporting felons and other loving people on mutinyradio.fm. Go to the website and donate. Bye. So now we get to hear the magic. Oh my God. Oh. of swimming through a sea of podcasts? Are ye on a raft without a patter? Well, gather around me, sea dogs, and get aboard me pirate ship as we set sail for the seas of mutinyradio.fm. From there, you can captain your own pirate ship as you sail through over 44 different shows for all of your listening pleasures. They've got live comedy to small business advice, LGBTQ-friendly to sports, vinyl to gutter punk. Mutinyradio.fm has the best programming the Internet Ocean has to offer you. I bet my peg leg on it, or I ain't scurvy shit-faced McRat. <laughs> Hey, Mutineer Stolowitz here. Have you ever listened to Labor and Love on Saturday mornings, 10 to noon, with Bill Morgan? It's a really excellent show, one of my favorites here at the station. And it's all about service. It might be the devil, it might be the Lord, but we got to serve somebody. 
And Bill understands the virtue of service as the heart and soul of the labor movement better than a lot of people I know. And it's one of the reasons I love to listen to him. He breaks down socialism, democracy, protest history, workers' news, and the power of unions. Along with that, he serves up an excellent mix of jazz, Latin, gospel, hip-hop, and traditional folk ballads. Great stuff. Check it out. Labor and Love is every Saturday, 10 a.m. to 12 p.m. Serve somebody. out at Mutiny Radio. Chester Cashcock here, giving you my love and regards as well as Mufi's over there. And you know, anytime I go swimming in my vault of rare coins and piles and piles of filthy cash, I can't help but listen to Bamtastic's Comedy Clubhouse every Friday from 8 to 10. They have a fun time at Pamtastics deep in the mission where you can laugh off your tushy every Friday for a mere $10. And $10, I mean, that's what I use to wipe my tushy with, so to wipe it off for, <laughs> it's in duty this. And if you can't make it to Mutiny Radio, don't worry, don't fret at all. You can simply download the podcast post-show in the comfort of anywhere, like your Aspen summer cottage on the mountain ridge for the kayaks. <laughs> Just go to podcast.pcrcollective.org or mutinyradio.fm podcasts and look for Comedy Clubhouse with a K. You can download it for free. But we'd love to see you every Friday, 8 to 10, down here at Mutiny Radio. Laugh off your tushy and save your life. Because you know what's better than laughter? Well, it's a cash cock, baby. (laughs) What could it be? It's exactly what you think it is. Flat. Black. Plastic. Vinyl, records, round, played, mixed, all for you every Saturday from noon to two by Scott Walker, amazing artist, music DJ, vinyl enthusiast, that is flat black plastic. My name is Breakfast, and I'm running for Chancellor 
of the United States of America. For too long, we have gone without a chancellor who is willing to take bold leaps of faith and logic to create new possibilities for our great, big, fat nation. As your chancellor, 